Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. In this special bonus episode, we'll review our final tipsy treat, a classic old-fashioned figgy pudding. It's been such a fun month, and we can't think of a better way to cap it off and ring in the new year than by awarding a special blue ribbon to the tipsy treat we loved most. So grab your party hat and noisemakers, pour yourself a glass of fizz, and get ready for some sweet talk. Andrea, back in episode 102, you and I talked about the reasons why we bake. Then we put out a post for listeners to share some of their whys. I love the enthusiastic responses and the great stories we heard. Many of our listeners' reasons really resonated with me, but some, I have to admit, took me a bit by surprise. (laughs) So for those of you who aren't on our Facebook group Preheated, we wanted to share a quick recap of what some of our listeners shared. That's right. So let's start out with stress relief. Renee, Vicky, Jennifer, and Wendy all use baking as a way to calm themselves down and relieve the stress of a job. Or the stress of 10 grandkids visiting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm exhausted just thinking about that. Kim and Renee both like to master challenges, and I love they honestly admit it, show off a little. Yeah. While Heather and Karen like bringing quality, tasty baked goods into their homes or to their friends and their family. Heather mentions huga, which is the Danish concept of coziness and contentment. And folks, you have definitely seen this word. It is spelled H-Y-G-G-E-E, but it is pronounced huga. <laughs> Holiday season is a perfect time to bring some hygge into your life. I'm just going to keep saying that. Hygge, hygge. (laughs) I just love giving you all the difficult words. You really do, don't you? We have two different listeners named Robert, but they both shared fascinating stories about how baking is such an important connection for them with their families. And as one of them mentioned, a way to eat more bacon. (laughs) Whatever works. I think Robert's comment is the one that took me most by surprise. He mentioned that he is a professional baker, and yet he still takes time off every December to bake for his family and friends. Yeah. I think he has a true baking heart. And of course, listener Craig has the cookie monster excuse. Me want cookies. (laughs) But I also enjoyed seeing that one of his reasons is to use up leftovers, so hooray for less food waste. Agreed. Karen shared a great quote from one of the contestants on the Great British Bake Off who said, People think bakers are dainty little housewives, but they are not. They are quite controlling people who want to be told that they are loved. (laughs) (laughs) And we love you all, you preheaters out there. Another great quote is one that you reminded me of, Andrea, from my interview with Odalengi pastry chef Helen Goh back in episode 80. She's the one who said, Cooking is a necessity, but baking is a choice. And I'm glad I get to choose it with you and with all of our listeners. 
And listeners, we're so glad you choose us every week. Thank you for sharing your why with us, and please keep on baking. Well, Andrea, our bake-along this week was a first for both of us. We were so excited to do an old-fashioned classic song-inducing figgy <laughs> pudding. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> there is not only the traditional version, which I did, but the Instant Pot version, which you did. So why don't you kick it off and tell us how it went in one of your favorite appliances, the Instant Pot. Okay, well, I was super excited about this dessert. Jeff and Vicki Wells are the authors of this. They've generously agreed to let us publish their recipes. As I started gathering my ingredients, I did try and run down some fresh figs. Okay. Now, alas, those are more of a September-October fruit in my neck of the woods. So I was not able to get any fresh ones, but that's okay. I used dried figs, and there is a tip in the recipe about how you can rehydrate those by putting them in a little boiling water and letting them sit for 15 minutes and then draining them. So that's what I did for my figs. Of course, I don't have suet readily available as you do. Ah, such a shame. I know. I use leaf lard as a substitute. I've mentioned on an earlier episode that I purchased my leaf lard online from a website called Fanny and Flow. The other ingredients include brown sugar, and I do have a little special thing I've been using here that I'm thinking I might have picked up last time I visited London. It is called, hold on, let me grab the box and take a look here. Billington's Molasses Natural Unrefined Cane Sugar. I love this stuff so much. You did buy it here. I was with you. I remember that. We were just in the grocery store going about the normal sugar aisle, and you were like, I have to have this. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, it says on the box, ideal for fruitcakes, marinades, and chutneys. And I think I bought it for my fruitcake, and I did use it in my fruitcake. But I thought when I was putting this dessert together that it would be perfect in this as well because there is a little molasses in this, and it's just like a – dark brown molasses-y type sugar. I've also used it in those chewy molasses cookies. It is fabulous. I highly recommend it if you can get your hands on this stuff. It is some really good stuff. The other ingredients are some eggs, some cream sherry. Of course, I mentioned the figs, the molasses, the cinnamon, and some dried breadcrumbs and some vanilla. So really nothing too um, out of the ordinary. I had most of the items in my house. Yep. I used the same pudding basin that I used back when we made our Sussex Pond pudding, and I really enjoyed using that particular one. I used my stand mixer to combine the suet, the brown sugar, and then I added in the eggs, the vanilla, the molasses, got that all mixed together, and then just folded in the breadcrumbs, the cinnamon, the sherry, and the figs. Okay. At that point, I poured it into that prepared pudding basin. (laughs) And this is where things got a little tricky. What's with a pudding cloth? I don't get it. (laughs) I'm not not putting a cloth on top of my food. (laughs) Well, you do the wax paper first. I know I did the wax paper, but I, I just, it's odd to me to put a cloth on something. Hmm. Well, like when you're proofing bread, do you put a cloth on top of that? Yes, but I don't cook it. Mm. I mean, to, to have the cloth on it while I cook it. Anyway. Yeah, good point. Hmm. I guess I I didn't feel like it was touching the food directly. The Instant Pot instructions are a little bit different. So if you look on our website. Okay, okay. Preheatedpodcast.com. You can do a search for figgy pudding and you'll see we have both sets of instructions in there. So I just did a layer of parchment, which I 
placed on top of my pudding basin. Mm -hmm. I had since located some rubber bands. (laughs) Oh my gosh, lucky. (laughs) As I mentioned last week in episode 105, the elusive rubber band, I had tracked some down. And so I just put the parchment on with a rubber band because the recipe says the most important thing is that the pudding not get wet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the parchment would do a good job with that. I set the steam function. It went for 90 minutes. And then you do what's called a natural pressure release. And that is allowing the float valve to drop on its own. That took another 50 minutes on my side. Okay. And then I removed the pudding. I took the parchment paper off. At this point, I got a little concerned because there was sort of a liquid floating about on top that kind of looked like melted butter. I think it might have been the leaf lard. Sure, right. I was really nervous. I thought, is this done? How would I know? But it said let it cool 10 or 15 minutes. So I thought, well, I'm just going to wait. And I set the timer for 15 minutes. When I went back in 15 minutes, all that liquid had been absorbed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that worked out just fine. I put a plate on top of it. I inverted the pudding. It fell out beautifully. Mm. I love sugaring a bowl. That is so much fun. (laughs) It is fun and it's easy and it glistens while you're waiting to pour in your batter. I thought it was really cool too. No, I want to sugar more more bowls. I think Mm. it's much more fun than flouring a bowl. 2019 baking resolution. (laughs) (laughs) It smelled so good. Yes. I have to admit I was a little bit nervous as I was making this. You might recall, oh gosh, I think it was back in the summer, I made some lime sable cookies, and it was only as I was halfway through them, and I realized I was making a white chocolate buttercream that I remembered I don't actually love white chocolate. Mm -hmm. As I was making this figgy pudding, I started thinking to myself, you know, I do love figs with like a savory gorgonzola, but figs as a dessert or just as a sweet treat is not something that's ever grabbed me. Okay. I started thinking, I'm not sure I'm going to like this, just, you know, because I'm not really in love with the ingredients. Yeah. But it came out. It smelled so good. Stefan, I cannot tell you how much I love this dessert. Oh, my gosh. I had a thought. Yes. It was wonderful, warm. But I can tell you, too, this morning, I've already had two slices. (laughs) It's so good as a breakfast bread as well. Okay. I cannot say enough good about this particular item. I think it is fabulous. I loved it too. And I loved the drama of making this. This was not a hard recipe. Those ingredients, once you track down whatever kind of fat you're going to use there at the top of the ingredient list, whether that's suet or a vegetable suet or the leaf lard, that's really all that you need to be concerned with. Everything else, easy to find. I also use dried figs. I happen to love figs. I love fresh figs. Mm. I love dried figs. I just reconstituted those in a bit of water as it suggested. Easy peasy. Just chopped those right up and added them. I incorporated all of my ingredients by hand. That worked great. Okay. Put it into my pudding basin, which was also sugared. Then my difference was I did cover it with the wax paper, tied it with a string. Then I did put the cloth over the top as well. Now, that cloth gets completely soaked. Right. Because you have it in a Dutch oven on the stovetop full of boiling water with the lid on for three hours. There's no way it's not going to get steamy. Mm. I think I mentioned last time when we introduced this, just make sure that's not a cloth that is precious to you, but something that you can withstand boiling for three hours. Good idea. 
one note for people doing this the traditional method it does say to check every hour for your water level so you don't want this at a rolling boil you want this at a nice lower bubble for those three hours but it can boil dry if you're not careful so just check i set a timer every hour i added an additional one cup of boiling water and i just had my kettle going so i wasn't adding cold water to take the temperature in the pan down just a cup of boiling water at two hours same thing happened then of course at three hours it was done Andrea, one question I had was, you know, it says bake until done or when pudding is done. How do I know when the pudding is done? Yeah, I didn't even do a, a crumb test or anything like that. And I decided I had that nice feature of my Instant Pot that a natural pressure release kind of, in my mind, ensures that it's going to be done because that's just naturally how long it takes the pressure to release. Okay, and it took 50 minutes. So I felt pretty good about it. But yeah, that's a great question. That's why I was so nervous when I saw all that liquid on top. I thought, oh, maybe it's not done yet. Well, I suppose you could put a cake tester in there. Mm -hmm. But you have to get through then the level of the layers of the cloth and the paper. So I didn't think that was very viable. So I took it on faith that the geezers knew what they were doing. Three hours <laughs> was going to be done. <laughs> Indeed. I took it out. Now, be very careful here, folks. Your cloth is wet. Mine slipped right off immediately. Mm. You are working with a boiling hot rag, basically. Be really careful. Good point. I thought it was just not worth the risk to try to lift that by the cloth, which I think is kind of their intention. So I just carefully took that off and then gingerly with oven mitts on, took that out of the boiling bath, inverted it, came out beautifully. I did not have any extra liquid at that point, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it was completely done. I No problem there. It was completely cooked all the way through. Andrea, is there anything better than a warm figgy pudding on a cold December no. day? I mean, no wonder someone wrote a I song know. about this. <laughs> I know, especially if you put a little bit of um, whipped cream on it or if you had any ice cream. We went with ice cream, yes. You went with ice cream. I think the recipe also suggested something called, was it a bird's custard? That would be a popular thing here. Yes, a vanilla custard or a bird's custard. Yeah, I didn't do that either. I just went with the heavy whipped cream. I thought that was lovely. I loved this warm. I think I pulled mine out of the bath at like 1.30 in the afternoon. Not a time I'm normally eating dessert, but I thought, you know what? You have to have this one. It's warm. <laughs> For testing purposes. Yes. Mm -hmm. For testing mm -hmm. purposes. So we all gathered around and it smelled just like a Charles Dickens yes. story. And it was wonderful. I had a bit of a different experience after it had cooled down and I actually had stuck it in the fridge. Now, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should have left it at room temp. But my suet, I'm assuming, kind of congealed into a not attractive or pleasing to taste waxiness almost, I would say. So it congealed sort of on the, the outside shell or on the inside? Within, without, yes. Oh. There was no problem. I just microwaved that again. Traditionally, you would actually re-steam it for another like hour. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't have that problem at all. Although when I was making the comment about the two slices I had this morning, I should add that I took it out 
when I woke up and I probably ate it about an hour later because, you know, you like your cold cakes from the fridge. Me, not so much. I'm okay with room temperature, but... Yeah, and this is not one that's good cold from the fridge. I'll just say yeah, that up front yeah. as a cold cake lover. You want this to maybe, yeah, be at your room temperature or just then warm it back up just so that fat gets gets reabsorbed. And then it's it's delicious. It's really good. I had so much fun with this recipe. I did too. And you, speaking of the safety with the cloth, I should add in one thing that I skipped and it actually wasn't in the recipe. I just know this from using my Instant Pot. I created and used something called a foil sling. Okay. So if you do a Google search for foil sling instant pot, you can find a video that will instruct you how to do it. I'll include it in the show notes as well. But it's basically just folding a piece of aluminum foil long ways and sliding it underneath your pudding basin so that you're giving yourself some handles to lift it out when it's done. Yeah, yes. You know, he did say that the pudding cloth was optional. I really like his little comment there. I like to use a pudding cloth because that's the way I have always done it. (laughs) So he has his traditions too. Jeff and Vicky like their pudding cloth. But I skipped the pudding cloth, just did the parchment paper, and used that foil sling to pull the pudding basin in and out of the Instant Pot. And that worked really well. Well, it sounds like whether you do the traditional or the more 21st century version of this recipe, this one was a winner on both sides of the Atlantic. Remember, we'll have a link to both of these recipes in the show notes for this episode, which is episode 105.5 on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as in our Facebook group, Preheated. Well, Andrea, this month of December had five Mondays, which means this is our special bonus episode and the one in which we each award a coveted preheated blue ribbon to the recipe we most enjoyed making and eating this month. So to recap for you and for listeners, in episode 103, we had the Cherry Bounce from Kathy Barrow and the Washington Post. Episode 104 was the Homemade Irish Cream from A Cozy Kitchen. Episode 105 was Chilled Chocolate Whiskey Souffle with Salted Butterscotch Sauce from Good Housekeeping UK. And today's episode, episode 105.5, you just heard our review of the figgy pudding from Jeff and Vicki Wells and the Geezer Guides. Andrea, where will you award your blue ribbon? No surprise here. I am going with the figgy pudding. It was so different. It was so easy. It was so much fun to make. And I was just shocked by how much I loved it. I really do think it's going to be something I'm going to make regularly at the holiday time. It smelled good. It tasted good. It's good warm. It's good room temp. (laughs) I can't say enough good things about it. Yeah. And it's maybe converted you to kind of a sweet fig lover as well. That's true. Yeah. I, you know, I've had figs in my fruitcake, but they've always been mixed with other fruit. So this is the first time I've had a dessert where fig is the sole fruit and that flavor really comes through. And I knew I liked it with savory. I didn't know if I'd like it with sweet. And guess what? I do. It's good. How about you? Where's your blue ribbon going this month? This was hard for me. I had two. It was the figgy pudding as well. But then the one I'm actually going to award is the homemade Irish cream from episode 104. I think it's the first time I've awarded a blue ribbon to a beverage, so that's a little different. Appropriate in Tipsy Treats Month, though, I think. It was, and as you guys know, I had a lot of drama making that, but it was so (laughs) delicious. It was so creamy. You guys also know that we love in our household and in yours, Andrea, making homemade eggnog. But what I loved about this recipe was you got a lot of those same kind of flavors and textures and results, but it only took 
very little time to put together and then an hour chilling in the fridge it's really good you guys it is smooth and creamy it feels like a very grown-up adult beverage obviously which it is but it feels like a really special thing I liked to gift it I liked to just have some to offer guests in my house so that was a real winner for me from a cozy kitchen the homemade Irish cream yeah, I love that as well. That one was definitely in strong contention. And I had to give that away as gifts because <laughs> I found otherwise that I was tempted to just go in and continue to drink it. It was not safe here in my home. It was delicious. Well, the timer's buzzed and we've got to get the icing on to this episode. Listeners, Stefan and I consider it such a privilege and honor to be invited into your homes and kitchens every week. We hope that you've enjoyed this year of baking as much as we have, and we are excited to try new things with you in the year ahead. We're also looking forward to making some New Year's resolutions, including one to eat more veggies, in desserts that is. Find out how creative we can be when it comes to sneaking wholesome, delicious vegetables into some of our favorite sweets. Remember, you can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we're at Preheated Pod. If you like our show, please do tell a friend and subscribe. Also, consider ranking and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you download our podcast. Until next time, I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Happy, Happy New Year! Year! Thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, hosted, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.